Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Perry. The Imaginal Space Podcast is dedicated to knowing, healing, and exploring the aura. This podcast is a part of a multidimensional project designed to facilitate a deeper connection to yourself, the personal aura, love, the shared aura, and our universal family, the collective aura. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to be taking a look at, or a second look, rather, at a recurring dream. So I actually already recorded a podcast episode about a dream that was very similar to this a couple of months ago. And then the dream changed a little bit. And since then, my interpretation of dreams has radically shifted. So since this was a more complex dream that I felt like, to be honest, I feel like I've never understood this dream. This dream really, really confused me for such a long time because there were so many moving parts and the emotion of the dream didn't necessarily match the third dimensional narrative. And there has been, and it actually is connected to one of the archetypes of this dream, but there has been so much healing just involved in trying to crack or understand this um, one particularly confusing dream. So when the dream came through again a couple of days ago, I knew I wanted to record another podcast episode on it and kind of take another look at, take a deeper look at the aura. And I'm definitely glad I did because this dream shifted the way that I understood dreams or will continue to understand dreams forever. So that's what we are going to be taking a look at today. I'll get into more details about the dream. But first, what I like to do to open every single podcast episode is just take a moment, get quiet, take a couple of deep breaths. I like to invite in my spirit family to guide you know, the navigation, the exploration, and the interpretation of the dream. Um, you can invite in your spirit guides, you know, whatever, or you can just, you know, take the time to say, I just really want to sit with myself today. You can set your intention for the episode, literally whatever you like, or you can kind of just drop in and get quiet, take a couple of deep breaths. And that's just your way of preparing for the podcast episode. No matter what you like to do during that time, we are going to get quiet now. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. And if you need more time, just hit the pause button and then we will get started and take a look at the dream. Okay, perfect. So what was this dream about? So if you have, just in case you've never heard that podcast episode before, This dream is, so the way I understand dreams, and it really depends on, you know, what's going on, you know, sometimes dreams are very discombobulated and so bizarre that it can almost be a little bit too confusing to take a look at the linear third dimensional story, you know, so if you're flying on a unicorn, eating, you know, a slice of pizza, and the sky is green, and, you know, the land is upside down, I don't even know. Sometimes paying paying attention to those details can be helpful or they can be just very confusing, you know? So what I like to do for every single dream is pay attention to the underlying emotion because I find that it's very interesting. I'm very clairsentient, so I always pay attention to emotion with everything, everything to give me um, some semblance of the truth of like what's going on, you know? So in that doesn't change, you know, for dreams, my waking life, I always pay attention to how I feel because that gives me the most clear cut information. So in this recurring dream, I'm really angry and I'm really, really upset, which is interesting because it takes a lot to get me really, really upset in this waking life. So anytime that I'm really, really upset in a dream, I always pay close attention because that seems really, really out of character for me. Because in this waking life, I'm really, you know, usually pretty level-headed, um, pretty calm, pretty balanced. Um, so in dreams, when I'm just like losing my mind, I always find it interesting because it seems to be so out of character. So that's kind of the emotion. I'm just really upset 
or really, really angry. And in this recurring dream in particular, it involves my sister. And this is where it gets doubly confusing. So one of the archetypes in this dream is the forest. And the forest appears as green in the aura. The I would say the um, if there was one phrase to capture the energy of the forest, it's kind of you need to get lost in order to get found. And so that's what I was alluding to earlier with you know, everything with how confusing this dream is and how it has eluded me for such a long time. And I don't even know if today I'm going to, you know, completely comprehend it because I feel like every single time I experience a recurring dream, there's new information that comes through. You know, there was a beautiful amount of information that came through the first time I took a look at this dream. And then when I took a look at this aura, I was like, wow, you know, it completely blew me away. So that's the energy of the forest. You know, it says in or- there is so much healing in getting lost because it gives you an opportunity, you know, for self-discovery. You know, there is no just in the in terms of, you know, sacred pairs and sacred duality. Quite literally, there is no getting found without being a little bit lost in the first place. So this dream definitely gave me the healing opportunity to find different aspects of myself within the dream. So I guess we will um, start with that first. But anywho, so usually this dream involves me getting irrationally upset with my sister, probably for no reason. And it's very interesting because she and I also have a very peaceful relationship, you know? Um, I think we I can count on one hand and let's just say you know there are times that I don't remember I think there are less there are definitely less than 10 times in our in the entire span of our lives where we have been like upset with one another and then I would say a majority of those times is just you know petty childhood you know craziness where one of us had a toy that the other one wanted and we weren't sharing or something like that I can only think of a couple of times where we were truly, truly upset with one another. So that's just not the nature of our relationship, which is also what confused me for a long time. Because in this dream, I was really, really upset with her. And this one was a little different because usually it's just me and her in the dream. And today or a couple of nights ago, my mom was there too. And so basic premise of the dream, she instigated like a fight or something And like a physical one, which has never even happened before. You know, I hear so many stories of people actually physically fighting with their siblings. And I'm like, I would literally never do that. Claire and I have literally never done that um, in our childhood. Um, I can't imagine that happening, you know, in adulthood or anything like that. Um, But in the dream, she started like, or we started like coming at each other And I lost my mind and my mom came in and she was like, literally, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, well, Claire, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, but what are you doing? And then I kind of woke up, you know, and I remember being really frustrated trying to explain to my mom. Well, and it sounds kind of ridiculous, but I was like, well, she started it, you know. Um, So I have the right to get upset and I have the right to retaliate. And my mom, again, was just looking at me like. I had three heads or something, you know, in the dream, like, what are you doing? You know, basically implying, you know, at the end of the day, like whether Claire started this argument or not, this is your sister, you know, like you don't fight with your sister and it, and also just in general, it doesn't matter, you know, like in the dream, I was very much like, she started this, you know, I have the right to be upset, angry, blah, blah, blah. And my mom was just like, who cares? You know, who cares who started what? Who cares who said or did what? This unparalleled reaction is completely unjustified. You know, no matter what anybody does to you, it doesn't warrant this kind of like anger and this level of like craziness, you know? So that's the um, that's the basic premise of the dream. And so the first card we are going to, or I guess, you know what, we can actually, we started with the force, we can go into the venom. So that does explain a little bit of the venom archetype. So I love, 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 love this archetype, even though it kind of, it's third dimensional story seems a little bit like scary or like rough around the edges. 
basically what it says is, you know, we all have hurt. You know, we all have pain within ourselves. It's in us. It's not inescapable, whatever. Um, you're not able to escape it. It's something, it's a part of this human experience. You know, we all experience hurt. We all experience, you know, pain, betrayal, etc. And what the venom does is it says, it's up to us to take accountability and responsibility for whatever that is. So we aren't spreading it to other people. So in this case, you know, I'm making the argument, you know, Claire said blah, 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 or did blah, blah, blah in the dream. And my mom is basically stepping in and saying, it doesn't matter, you know, take responsibility, take accountability, you know, for the hurt and the pain that you are experiencing, but don't spread it, you know? And basically she's saying, you know, don't spread it by fighting back because then this just gets even worse, you know? So if some, for example, if someone is rude to you, you know, you have the ability to just like de-escalate the situation by saying, you know what? Um, or, you know, whatever it is in your own way, I'm, for me, I use like something like, you know, I know this isn't you. You're acting out of character. You're acting out of pain. You're acting out of hurt. And that is not the true nature of who you are. And that's why the venom appears as opal essence, um, rainbow opal in the aura. Because what it really does is it really challenges you to, you know, whenever anybody is acting from that hurt or like wounded or painful place, it gives you the opportunity to recognize who they truly are as a soul and as a spirit versus, you know, this place of pain that they are coming from. You know, I've dealt with that so many times, you know, once I was more, well, I would say definitely more aware, you know, because and this also ties into the dream, the overall message of the dream in a very interesting way. Um but sometimes people are acting from who they really are. And then sometimes people aren't, you know, and I don't think any of us, I think we carry pain. I don't think any of us are actually, you know, the pain and the trauma that we have experienced. You know, that's not actually our identity. I've experienced my fair share of painful, very, very traumatic with a capital T. I know because that word gets thrown around a lot, but trauma with a capital T experiences. And I know that's not me. And there have been times where I have come from that space of being hurt and being completely traumatized and not knowing how to deal with it. And then I did hurt other people. And what I had to do and what it did, ultimately, it was a very, very difficult time of my life, you know, experiencing that trauma, the fallout and, you know, everything thereafter. But what I did learn was that there is a big difference, you know, when people are really you know, being vulnerable, exposing themselves, exposing their spirit. And that's the place that they are coming from, or they are very, very guarded. And they do act from this, you know, very traumatized, um, painful, you know, hurt place. And to be able, and what that did, what that experience, experiencing that for myself, and then giving myself the grace and the forgiveness to realize, oh, wait a minute, that was never me in the first place. Yes, I went through a difficult time. And I was acting from the resulting pain of that difficult time. It gave me the ability to have some discernment, which is actually something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but to have some discernment between, you know, whether people are acting from pain or whether people are acting from the, their true selves. And that's the energy of the venom. Overall, this dream, as I said earlier, shifted the way that I understand dreams or will continue to understand dreams forever. And that is because of the stone and the fault line. So the stone is, it invites us to question, how do we connect to the eternal within ourselves, others, and the collective? So the stone appears as blue in the aura. And basically it's just asking, you know, what is your most natural way of connecting to the truth, you know, and ground in the eternal truth that is yourself, others, and the collective? So when I was really sitting with that, it was like the first card that um, the first energy that came through in the aura of the dream, I really sat with that. And I was like, wait a second, I've had so many interesting dreams with my sister. Um, Claire, I would say, appears in my dreams more than anybody else. Yes, I would say she appears in my dreams the most. They aren't all the same. You know, they aren't all this dream in particular, um, but she appears the most. 
And I felt like the shapeshifter isn't in um, this aura in particular. It's not even in her aura. But I felt this kind of like shapeshifter energy. I was like, she seems... I was just like, you know what? She rarely ever seems to be representing herself in the dreams in general. So like I said earlier, anger, being upset is not typically the nature of our relationship. We don't get angry. We don't really get that upset. And, you know, again, all siblings have that at some point, but that's not something that's really consistent with us. So And that always, you know, perplexed me about this dream in general. So then I got thinking, well, wait a minute, what if it's not her? You know, maybe it is her, but I don't think it is. You know, I believe that, again, when I pay attention to dreams, I pay attention to feeling. I pay attention to the third dimensional story sometimes, depending on what's going on. And if there are enough like symbols and context clues to like make sense of something. But what I really pay attention to at the end of the day are I guess two things feeling and then the characters and when I say characters I just yeah like the real life people that appear in my dream because usually it means it gives a clue to something but what the stone and the fault line has to do with the uh, the fault line is gold so it's basically the abundance in redefining and breaking open reality and that's what this dream did for me so I instead of because this confused me, trying to interpret this dream as if it was my mom or not really my mom, but my sister and I, I was like, well, I heard this. um, There's so many different ways to interpret dreams, but I heard this thing a couple of, yeah, a couple of years ago, multiple years ago about this specific way of interpreting dreams, which is that every single person or every single element within a dream is really just an aspect of yourself. And at the time I was like, I don't know about that because that seems to be a very, very self-centered, quite literally centered around the self, your self approach to interpreting dreams. And there's so many different kinds of dreams. I do believe that, but it really just depends. And it got me thinking about discerning between the two. So I have had dreams where it was like the person bringing me a message. You know, I had like, for example, I had a dream once where one of my really good friends came to me in the dream and he was really upset about something. And this was years ago. Um, And that night in the dream, he like was saying how he and his girlfriend, who I also knew, um, went through like a breakup. And I was like, And when I woke up from the dream, I was like, okay, that's interesting. But I felt I got this feeling to like text him and just, you know, check up on him and see how he was doing that night while I was having the dream. He and his girlfriend did break up, you know, so sometimes those um, coincidences do happen because literally while I was asleep having the dream, you know, they were having that tough conversation about the nature of their relationship and ultimately decided to go their separate ways, you know. So there are dreams like that, which I don't know what they're called, like kind of like Oracle or like um, like prophecy. I don't even know what those dreams are called, but they do bring it's like an external message. Most of my dreams, I would say, are internal messages, but that one just so happened to be an external one. Um, but that's the stone and the fault line, because it really got me thinking, you know, just in terms of redefining reality and redefining my reality surrounding dreams and my interpretation of dreams to really start considering that most of my dreams, you know, probably like 90% are giving me information and insight, you know, and it is like usually like about me, you know, there are again, plenty of people that receive, you know, so much, you know, amazing intelligence and wisdom, you know, about other people and about other like events and, you know, our external circumstances and the world that we live in. And they receive those messages through their dreams. It just so happens that my dreams are usually they usually bring me medicine about me in some way. Um, But yes, so back to the stone. So I said earlier that the stone brings us the medicine of finding our way of understanding the eternal, understanding God, creation, unconditional love, source, spirit, and understanding it in our own way. And not only that, but how to understand how it connects us to others around us and the collective in general. So the way that I understood the stone, my favorite way is that we all have um, the archetypes within us. And at the time, 
I only considered three. I was like, we all have uh, the mother, the father, and the cosmic child within us. Or we all have like the cosmic parent, which can be split into divine feminine and masculine sides. So the mother and the father and the cosmic child within us. And where and what's interesting about that, which I didn't even really play around with before, is I do believe that, you know, all of us, there's 78 archetypes in the deck. So I do believe that all of us have all 78 archetypes. But at the time when I was really learning about the stone, I was more focused on the internal aura, the internal family aura. So I was focused on, you know, how to show up as your own mother, how to show up as your own father, and how to really learn and care for your your inner child. So I was more thinking about the stone within the theme of family, you know? So again, you know, how can we be our own space holders, the mother, you know, how can we um, acknowledge our divinely imperfection and perfection, you know, and that's the father. The father is all about, you know, understanding that we are divinely perfect and imperfect simultaneously. And then, you know, the inner child, you know, what does that look like? So that was the stone for me. You know, understanding that we all have the ability to be our own mothers and fathers and really care for our own inner children. And what this dream really expanded for me was, yes, those three are very important, but you have to consider all of the, like, whatever, 75 other archetypes too. And again, it was a reminder that the same 70 archetypes I have within me, other people have within them. And not only that, but they can be embodying those in my dreams. So rewind a little bit. So we have Claire, my beautiful, angelic, sweet sister, you know, in the dream. And we're like going at it. We're like fighting with each other. And so what the stone helped me to understand is that, yes, Claire is Claire in the dream. But she's also probably representing an aspect of myself because it did. It felt like a very, very personal dream. So then I looked at the collective section of the aura. And so the collective section of the aura represents the dream in the form of energy. And usually my dreams are one-on-one, you know, they usually involve or different, at least when I look at dreams, I'm usually looking at one particular scene. So it'll usually be me and another person. And so the main characters of this dream are me and my sister. So when I looked at the collective aura, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this makes too much sense. So Claire actually energetically represents my inner child in the dream. Sure, she is herself, sort of. And this is where, you know, the characters that show up in the dream matter. Because when I think of, you know, the people that I really care about the most in this world, in this world, Claire is one of them. I would do anything for her. I would do anything to protect her. Um, I'll do anything to love her, you know, until, you know, whatever. Um, But she's like the person I literally love the most and, you know, really, really, really deeply care about in this life. I love my sister to death. She's the sweetest person. I feel like that comes up like once a podcast episode. Um. So when I think about the way that I truly feel about my sister, you know, in this waking life, that's kind of, in a way, the energy I need, you know, to support and care for my inner child, which is what she's uh, reflecting or embodying in the dream. You know, that's what all of our inner children need. You know, the way that I think about my sister, again, I would do anything for her. I want to just like care for her, love her. Um, nourish her, support her in literally any way that I can so that she can grow and thrive in this world. Whatever that means, I'm down for. I would literally do anything for her and show up for her in that capacity. That's the energy that like I need to express to my own inner child. You know, so it doesn't surprise me that in this particular dream, and I'm sure there are many others as I continue to explore them in this light, um, that's why she showed up as my inner child. You know, to remind me, and this is going to take some like deeper thought, as I'm sure because this is a recurring dream, it'll reveal itself over time. Um, But that's the kind of energy that I need to be showing my inner child. And so what I learned from this dream is that there's so much more exploration just with respect to 
um, how I interact with my inner child than I even thought was possible. You know, if anything, just overall, this dream taught me that I need to just be kinder to my inner child because, and a little bit, probably more forgiving. I'm getting like a forgiveness vibe in general. So that's her in the dream. So Claire is Claire, um, but not really, you know, just in terms of she, it's more of like, what does she represent? You know, again, when I think of her, I think of someone I would do anything for, you know? And so her, because my inner child could have appeared as anyone, you know, I guess it could have appeared as my mom or my dad or my partner or, you know, one of my really close friends, you know, except, you know, there's no one that I feel this, this way, you know, or have felt this, like, this is my innate natural reaction when I think of Claire, you know? So there's no one quite like, I mean, obviously, um, but there's no relationship quite like the one I have with my baby sister, you know, whatever. She's like two years younger than me and not a baby, but whatever. Um, but again, I would do anything to protect her. And so, so she energetically is the inner child within my dream. And so what it like, what this really shifted for me just in terms of dreams in general is to remember that again, 90% of the time, the dream is medicine for me or for an aspect of myself that I'm not paying attention to. So in the previous podcast episode that I recorded about dreams, because these next or not next, um, the previous episode, this episode and the next episode about dreams is all about growth and release you know, they all occur during the waning moon, which is the crone. So the crone is all about um, releasing, you know, preconceived notions of like duality and expectation. And, you know, it's basically whatever you thought this world was, get rid of that to make way for something new. You know, that's the crone's energy. The crone is magenta, you know, so it's all about new love, revealing love in the world, etc. So all three of these dreams are during the waning moon, which is the crone. Crone is like waning new moon time, you know, just in my own language. Um, And all three of these have to do with releasing something to make way for something new. So in this case, you know, or um, before, in the previous dream episode, I had a dream about my friends and like people I've known for a long time, they were represented by the ring, you know? Um, And that was interesting because, like I said, usually in a dream, it's me and one other person. Um, But this collective of people, how they were all connected, it made a lot of sense um, in that respect. So in that dream, they all collectively represented an energetic, the energy of the ring. In this dream, my sister just so happens to represent my inner child. In the next dream, I'm going to talk about a person that I knew for a couple of years represents my shadow. You get the point? So that's half of the equation is, you know, what does the other person or that key element of the dream, you know, what do they represent as an aspect of myself, as an energetic, et cetera. And then there's, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing in this dream? You know, what is it that I represent? Because also I, I know this isn't the same for everybody, but I am in all of my dreams. I don't think I've had a dream where I am not there um, in some capacity, And so I am represented by the orphan and the orphan is the wounded child. And this is where it gets to be like a lot of fun to look at because now I don't see, you know, Claire and I interacting and my mom will come in later. Like what, what is she doing there? But I don't see Claire and I interacting anymore. I see my inner child interacting with my inner wounded child, you know, and they are a little bit different. I know usually I think that the inner child and the wounded child are like, brought together, but they are separate archetypes, you know, in this language, in this deck. So that's what we're going to roll with today. Um, So we have, you know, my inner child. Again, when I think of my sister, I think of light. I think of harmony. I think of peace. You know, someone who is very, she is very, very peaceful. You know, she is very, very caring, um, very nurturing, very playful, very spirited, such a beautiful person. That's what I think of when I think of Claire. And now she's kind of shifting, you know, how I think of the inner child in general. And then we have the orphan. And so in this dream, like I said, it's the inner child and the orphan just interacting with one another. 
And, you know, we have my mom, we're going to get to her in a second, but my mom is basically kind of stepping in there, you know, and protecting my inner child, you know, so whatever, my inner child did whatever, um, Claire did whatever in the dream, and I'm trying to come back, you know, with, like, I don't even know what I was trying to do, honestly, um, but I'm basically, I'm trying to get back at her, I'm just, like, really, really upset with her, and what my mom is highlighting to me is that, you know, again, with the venom, just because X, Y, Z happened doesn't mean that you have to respond, you know, tenfold. And again, the orphan echoes the message of the venom. They're both just connected through pain. They are very different um, because the orphan has to do a little bit more with just the context of like family. You know, how were we hurt? How were we abandoned in that context? Um, or for example, the orphan appears as silver in the aura. So silver is the, fa uh, yeah, the silver family, it's the color of finding guidance and protection in the unknown. So what, and the unknown and the unseen. So whatever that means to you, um, whether you believe in like spirit guides and like um, extra dimensional beings or not, there is an aspect of this world that is completely unknown to all of us. As in, we just don't know everything. And finding um, protection in the experience of not knowing everything. So you can kind of, it's very fun because you can translate that in a bunch of different ways. You know, some people find a lot of protection from their spirit guides and their angels. And for me, it's like my spirit family, you know, with my animal allies and my other spirit allies, my spirit babies, etc. Um, that's the orphan is finding love and protection from the unknown and the unseen. And understand that, yes, we all have the orphan. We all have the wounded child. You know, we all have the abandoned within us, you know, in some way within the context of our families. Um, but what's also very interesting about the orphan, especially that I've found, is that it's very, very, it's a very, very powerful wound in a way. It's like one of our deepest wounds. You know, the venom in general, again, or they both kind of echo the same message of just making sure that you're paying attention to, you know, in, when you're interacting with people on a day-to-day -day basis, are they coming from, you know, so, oh, and this is where the inner child comes in. So the inner child is said to be, or it's kind of like our most pure, spirited, accepting, you know, magical nature, you know? It's like our, it's said to be kind of like our authentic selves. You know, it appears as orange in the aura, Orange is all about like divine creativity, you know, and playfulness and just like magic and like stuff like that. You know, there's like a purity to the inner child and orange, you know, combined together, you know, so and that's kind of like our authentic self, you know. And so in the dream, in a way, my mom is kind of like protecting Claire, a.k.a. the inner child, a.k.a. my authentic self from, you know, being kind of attacked and overshadowed by the orphan, which is the wounded self. And again, everything has like a light and shadow expression. You know, the inner child has a light and shadow just as much as the orphan does, you know? So it's kind of like you have to balance out the inner child and the orphan, you know? The orphan's lightest expression is, you know, channeling, you know, whatever our wounds are, um, whatever our most personal, you know, deepest wounds are, you know, as a way to love and accept other people. And that's, it's a very similar energy to the venom. It's just, they're just a little bit different. Um, but both of those archetypes in general, you know, again, we all have the venom. We all have the orphan. We all have pain. We all have wounds, you know, wounds that happened last week and then wounds that happened decades ago you know, it's not about having them in the first place. It's how we interact with them. You know, are we acting from them, you know, from the shadow of them? Because this is a very, the shadow is an archetype, but I was definitely acting from the shadow of the orphan in this dream, you know? Like I was not coming from like a loving, caring place, you know, when acting from my inner child. And so when the inner child and the orphan kind of come together, they can both heal one another, you know, in a very special way. The inner child can remind us, you know, 
of who it is that we are and show us how to really nurture ourselves. And then the orphan can remind us, you know, those pain, those wounds, they can be channeled in such a way that we can find love and acceptance for other people. You know, so they both like play off of each other in quite a nice way. And so overall, let's move on to agape. So agape is simply unconditional love. And agape is red. And red has a lot to do with groundedness. So whenever I see this card, um, especially within the context of this dream, basically it's devotion to unconditional love. You know, so it's fine. It's being devoted to there's a lot about, you know, true identity um, in this aura in general, you know, especially with the eternal child, the orphan, the venom, the stone, you know, and who we really are. And where it is that we really come from or, you know, where it is that we how we are acting and, you know, what is like the source of our actions, etc. So agape reminds us that at the core, we are all unconditional love. We are all creation, source, spirit, God, the universe, the mystery, etc., the cosmos. That's who we really are. You know, we all play a bunch of different roles in a bunch of our um, we all played a bunch of different roles in like everybody's lives. Um, one moment my sister may be appearing as the eternal child. Another moment she might be appearing as the starborn or the pilgrim or the judge, you know. Um, that's the energy of the stone. Again, that we all have all 78 archetypes within us and we can all express them, you know, in our dreams, in our, or like, for example, the different people can express them, you know, in our dreams, in our waking life at any given moment. So she could appear, Claire could appear as anything. My mom could appear as anything. My partner could appear as anything, you know, in dreams, in waking life, etc. You know, and that's just the role they are playing, but that is not who they really are. Again, that is the role that they play. So Claire's playing the role of the inner child in this dream, but that's not who she really is. You know, Claire is not really my inner child. She's an expression of unconditional love, an expression of God, just like everyone else, you know? So going back to the venom, you know, if I'm coming from this or if there's, or you know what? Yeah, me. Um, there was a point in my life where I was always acting, you know, from a traumatized place or a place of pain. And what I had to, again, learn and understand for myself is that this is not who I really am. You know, I'm an expression of unconditional love like everybody else. That was the first part. And then, again, it enabled me to understand that when somebody else is doing the same thing, you know, how to discern. So that's the judge. The judge is magenta, you know. So the judge understands that everybody is love at their core, you know. And this is where like boundaries come in because, you know, um, this confused me, you know, a long time ago for a while, you know, how to kind of juggle and balance all of this. Um, Because whilst, you know, there like there are times like, let's just say even me where, you know, yeah, sure. Maybe I was acting from like a traumatized place, et cetera, et cetera. But that does not give you the right to, you know, expose people to your crappy behavior, you know? Sure, you might not know better in the moment, but that doesn't mean anybody deserves, you know, whatever it is that you're inflicting upon them, you know? And you don't deserve that as well, you know? So while agape is devotion to the unconditional love in you, um, the unconditional love within the cosmos and the unconditional love within others and the collective, the judge invites us to, and to balance that out with some discernment, you know, and basically says, just because everybody is unconditional love, everybody is God, doesn't mean they have the right to walk all over you. And it doesn't mean that they have the right to be rude to you. It doesn't mean that they have the right to be, you know, hateful towards you. They might be unconditional love, you know, at their core, and that is their true identity. So remember that. Um, but that does not mean that they can treat you in anything than le- that is less than respectful and that is less than loving, you know? Um, so I really love agape and the judge together um, because it reminds you to really just be cognizant and establish that boundary, you know, because there's like, um, it's a little dangerous to, because agape, I feel like it's shadow, in a way, is spiritual bypassing, you know? So basically, that's just saying everything is love and everything is light anyway, so whatever, you know? And that allows people to continue with their, you know, 
disrespectful, you know, craziness, egregious behavior. And that's not correct either. You know, we want to guide each other, you know, back to love. We don't want to permit one another to, you know, be just completely crazy and disrespectful to one another. Um, So that is agape and the judge. So again, remembering that at the core, like if Claire appears in a dream, she is unconditional love. So in this case, so if Claire appears in a dream, her true identity is unconditional love. She's just expressing as the inner child to show me a message about my inner child. And that's just in the dream, you know? So for example, um, my partner, um, not in this dream in particular, just in general, because his main archetypes are the healer and the offering. So he is unconditional love as well, expressing, you know, to me, you know, from my perspective as the healer and the offering, you know? And um, my mom, my mom is unconditional love. She expresses as the sword and the self. So basically that's all that this is. It reminds us that, you know, we all have our, you know, multidimensional, infinite dimensional expressions, you know, because you could say a lot, you know, that's just in my language, you know, that my partner is the healer and the offering. My mom is the sword and the self. And then Claire outside of dreams, you know, to me appears as Gnosis, which is an initiation card. It's um the card of exploring mystical truths and the mystic, you know? So here she is, she's Gnosis and the mystic, you know, in this third dimensional reality. And then in this dream, she's the inner child. You know, we can all move and shift in that way, which is rather interesting. Um, we can all express in that way. And like I said, that's just my language. You know, you could easily say Claire is a, um, what is she? She's like a Libra sun. Dang it. I actually don't know her moon. I forget. Whatever. Or you could say I'm like a Leo sun, Pisces moon, or my partner is a Aries sun, Libra moon, or my mom is a Taurus sun, Leo moon, you know, um, stuff like that. You can say a bunch of different things and you can describe people's energy in a bunch of different languages. But at the end of the day, they are unconditional love at the core no matter, you know, what role it is that they are playing in your life or how it is that they are expressing, you know, in your waking life, in your dreams or whatever other reality. And so then we have the pilgrim and the pilgrim is all about exploration and growth, you know? So the pilgrim, the wanderer, the traveler um, very much embodies this idea that, you know, as we are moving, you know, in our external lives, And as we, you know, experience growth, like it's like the outward journey is the inward journey. You know, the macrocosm and the microcosm of how we interact in this world are always interconnected, you know? So the wanderer, the pilgrim is not just about, you know, exploration, like third dimensional exploration. It's not just about, I don't know, going to Bali or like Australia or Iceland on vacation. Like, sure, it is those things, but it's also so it's not just about exploring this third dimensional world. Um, it's also about exploring the spirit. And I, I've always found that to be so incredibly beautiful, exploring the spirit to discover new realities. And for that reason, the wanderer, the pilgrim is indigo. And indigo has a lot to do with discovering and embodying our own inner visionary, you know? So again, the wanderer is all about experiencing, you know, and traveling the spirit, traveling, you know, this external reality, making those connections in order to create something new. And so I love that this popped up in the context of this dream because I I love looking at dreams in general. Dreams help you to explore aspects of yourself, aspects of your spirit that you might not have been able to just in any other way. You know, there's so many different things like that, you know, that give you that opportunity to basically just explore yourself in a way that you are not used to. You know, I wasn't always used to, you know, taking a deeper look at my dreams. You know, dreams really confused me. Um, They didn't mean much. I would always remember them, but I wouldn't. Sometimes I would understand. Sometimes I wouldn't. And it wasn't until I started paying attention to the feeling Um, it wasn't until I started paying attention to the colors because sometimes I do see certain colors in my dreams and I distinctly remember like in the, um, the dream I'm going to talk about next, I saw green. I saw a lot of green in the dream, you know? Um, and again, you know, paying attention to feeling color, the aura, uh, in general, um, the characters, the elements, the symbols, you know, I started to put together 
you know, kind of my own little dream dictionary and my own way of interpreting my dreams. And what that allowed me to do is access the pilgrim, the wanderer's energy, which is basically dipping into other realities, you know, for different forms of intelligence and information about yourself and then bringing it back to do something and create something totally new and totally unheard of, because that's what indigo is, you know, it's really, it's just shaking everything up, you know, and going to different realities and bringing something completely new back that nobody has ever heard of, you know, because we all have the ability to do that, you know, when we embody our inner wanderer. And then we have the healer. And that is to say that, again, dreams in general, especially ones like these, ones that are so intimate and ones that are so personal, provide a very unique opportunity for healing in general. You know, so again, I don't feel like I'm done with this dream in general. And that's probably why it is a recurring dream. Um, just by nature, it's all it's been a dream that just keeps on popping up. And there's some medicine to that too, right? You know, um, which is to say that every single time, and I'm going to do, you know, now that I've, you know, taken a look at this aura, um, every single time a recurring dream, even if the feeling, the feeling is what connects them all. Because in every single one of these dreams with like Claire, um, and this was the first time where my mom was there, which we're going to get to in a second. Um, every, in every single one of these dreams with Claire, I've always been like upset. And that's the, the emotion is what, you know, connects the string of recurring dreams. But every single one kind of has like different information. Some of them are very, very similar. Um, but now I understand that, you know, as long as this dream, you know, keeps popping up, it's giving me different opportunities to heal my inner child, you know, in a way that I haven't before and to pay attention to my inner child in a different way, you know? So there's so many different ways, you know, people talk a lot about healing, you know, shadow work, um, like inner child healing, ancestral healing, um, what else is there? There's so much out there. It's not even funny. There's so many different ways um, to activate, you know, and to be your own healer in that way. And dreams are one of them, you know? So I love that for this reason. And so the medallion is up next. So the medallion actually does have to do a lot with ancestral healing. Um, maybe not in the way that you're used to, though. So anytime the medallion appears, I always think about, number one what's being handed down to you um, just in terms of, you know, maybe energetically, you know, by your family, you know, I believe the medallion is also like the heirloom or something like that, you know, so what's being passed down to you, what habits, what patterns, maybe physically, you know, something's like being handed to you. Um, but that's only half of the equation, you know, is paying attention to what's handed down to you. Um, but also what are you passing on? You know, so your ancestors, it's kind of like, you know, you have your ancestors. And by the way, like your parents are your ancestors because they are like your predecessors, you know? So your ancestors are not just like your great, 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 great grandparents. It's literally your parents, you know? So paying attention to your parents, your grandparents, you know, what people pass down to you, you know, on a linear um, level, you know, within our third dimensional family. So from that lens, um, it also, so it expands in a bunch of different ways. So, that's one way to interpret it. The other way is to interpret, you know, from the perspective that we are all one universal family. So to pay attention to what other people are passing on to you every single day. So now it's not just about your blood family. It's about your friends. It's about their relatives, you know, what thoughts, beliefs, patterns, you know, physical objects, you know, things that are more tangible. What are they passing on to you? You know, they can be like your parallel ancestors in a way, even if they didn't come before you in that respect. But then also, what are you passing on to other people? And so that's why the medallion is green, because it does have a lot to do with healing, compassion, patience, love, and really, you know, taking stock and, you know, taking a moment to realize that we do pass things on to other people, you know, and this is where, you know, Claire comes back in just as a symbol. So for me, you know, with the venom and the orphan, you know, when I think of my sister, I would never want to pass on any of my pain or resentment or hurt or trauma. I would never want to do that to her. I would never want to pass that on. You know, I've been thinking about that also a lot with my partner as of late. You know, 
sure, we all have, you know, our past histories. However, when I look at him, I'm like, I don't want to bring that and pass that on to you. You know, I don't want to do that to you. I want to, you know, give you all of the love and respect you deserve. You know, so anytime, because there, I mean, this happens all the time, right? Because again, we all have the venom and we all have the orphan, you know? So anytime I can kind of catch myself, you know, coming from a place of like the venom or the orphan, the wounded child, et cetera, I'm just like, oh no, you stop right there. You know, realize that this is where it's coming from. And this is where, and and it's set, and again, the orphan, the venom, they're not like bad cards. There are no bad cards. There are no negative cards, you know? Um, like I said, this dream happened during a waning moon and the waning moon is the crone's energy. So the crone is like, um, there is no duality in the way that we're used to. You know, that's like the message, the underlying um, message and influence of the crone in general, um, that there is no good, there is no bad, there is no right, there is no wrong, etc. So the venom and the orphan aren't bad cards. Again, we all have, you know, the venom and the orphan within us. It's just, are we acting from the light or the shadow? You know, again, the light side of the orphan is, you know, accepting those wounds and using them in a way, you know, in which we can, you know, provide love, acceptance, and compassion for others, you know? Um, the venom, you know, the light expression of the venom is ultimately forgiveness, you know, forgiveness of the self, forgiveness of the other, the collective, etc. You know, those are the light expressions, or you can choose to act from the shadow, you know? Um but that's a little bit of the medallion. And so my mom, is, just for me and my practice, is connected to the medallion. So she is a reminder, you know, as she's like, as Claire and I are about to like, I don't know, fight or something ridiculous like that in the dream. You know, she's she's facing me and saying, what are you doing? You know, and that's the medallion's energy, you know, which is it's basically like a check yourself, you know, check yourself and be like, do you really want to pass on this pain and this hurt and basically act from your shadow with someone that you really love and that you really care about and you know in your heart you would do anything to protect them? And the answer is no, you know? So I didn't like, we didn't actually get into a fight. It was just like more of like a about to. And then my mom just like completely cut that off and was like, this is absolutely bananas you know you don't need to be doing this um but that is the medallion and then finally we have the prayer and the prayer is one of my favorite archetypes um it's beautiful it's a part of the violet family violet is all about channeling it's all about your relationship with god source spirit creation the mystery of the cosmos the universe you know and having and developing um that personal relationship and so the prayer i would say the prayer and agape it's really powerful when they appear in an aura together because then there's a lot of, there's a big theme um, surrounding, you know, how it is that we interact with the God, you know, the creation, the unconditional love within one another, you know, and channeled responses and, you know, really just allowing love to move through you in any situation and, you know, finding out, you know, how does love move through you and honoring, you know, the creative consciousness within yourself and within other people, you know, those are really, really um, big cards in that respect, just in terms of reevaluating your relationship with unconditional love because it's within yourself and it is within everybody else. So the way that you interact with unconditional love within yourself is naturally how you interact with it, you know, within other people. And that's a big message here too, um, you know, with respect to the stone and, you know, how we all have the archetypes within us, the way in which we interact with, you know, our inner children is, you know, how we interact with other people's inner children. Or there's a lot of powerful medicine in the simple understanding that I have an inner child and so does somebody else, you know? So like, for example, you know, if Claire represents my inner child, something powerful for me would be to remember, okay, Claire represents my inner child. Everybody else I'm interacting with has an inner child. My mom has an inner child. My dad, my partner, you know, Claire has an inner child too, my friends. Um, and so that is to say, kind of echoing the message of agape, devotion to unconditional love. You know, if we all have, if we're all connected to the archetype of the inner child, so the same inner child 
you know, as an archetypal energy that is within me is within, you know, you and everybody else. Another way for me personally to think about that is, you know, if Claire kind of symbolizes the inner child, think about how you would interact with Claire and then apply that everywhere else, you know? Um, So hopefully you followed that a little bit. And if not, like rewind, but I'll just, I guess, say it again. You know, so again, Claire represents this energy of support, nourishment, you know, love, patience, compassion, empathy, um, just being understanding and going above and beyond, you know, to love and protect her. That's what I think of when I think of Claire. And so now I'm thinking that's what I think of when I think of the inner child and realizing that everybody has an inner child, the same energy, you know, that I have when I approach my sister is the same energy that can be applied to everyone because everybody has an inner child at the end of the day. So that same loving and compassionate energy that just naturally floods through me when I think of my sister, I can apply that to my partner, my parents, my friends, you know, strangers. You know, if I just kind of imagine, okay, there's Claire's energy of the inner child within them, you know, that can bring a lot more compassion, patience, understanding, you know, just in general to the world. Um, So sometimes that helps, you know, sometimes it's enough for people to understand energetically that I have an inner child, you have an inner child, et cetera. Um, But sometimes it really helps to imagine, you know, instead of that person has an inner child. So in my, you know, from my perspective, that person has an inner Claire, you know, that person has like, yeah, that person has like an inner Claire, you know, that person has, you know, something inside of them that in the same way I believe my sister, you know, deserves, they deserve, you know, love, patience, compassion, you know, peace, harmony, you know, and I want to do that for them. And that's just a different way, you know, to interact with agape, devotion to unconditional love within everybody. Um, And the stone as well, because remember, the stone is connecting to the truth of who we are. And, you know, we all find a different, that's just like one way, you know, that's one way you know, to interact with the stone and understand that we are all connected. And again, the stone is blue. It's so it's truth, you know, and um, balancing our truth with the truth of others. Um, but yes, so that it is interesting, though, that this um, what is it? This aura had a lot had a lot of like strong energies. So like the venom and, the, and like themes, it has like a very clear cut theme because we have the venom and the orphan you know, again, balancing our wounds so we aren't constantly acting from our shadows, you know, then there's the inner child and the orphan, which to me, especially since it was me, my mom and my sister, calls me to pay attention to, you know, wounds really associated with family. And then we have the prayer and agape. Again, has, I didn't really talk about the prayer Um, but the prayer again is developing a relationship with the creative consciousness within, with creation, with God, with source, with spirit. And what it is really is tapping into what you know, you know, um, blue is truth, but violet is like finding your own relationship with that said truth, truth with a capital T, you know, so we all have our own different ways of interacting with God. Um, we all have our own different ways of interacting with love. The prayer is finding your own way, you know? So this is my way. This is my very multidimensional way of doing so. Everybody has their own way. Um, And then we have the healer. And I love the healer because this is a very healing dream. And it reminds me that, you know, all dreams, you know, have their own healing, you know, the forest um, all the way back to the beginning, you know, just in terms of, you know, sometimes things are a little bit confusing. This dream was very confusing to me. I'm sure it will remain to be confusing in some dimensions and respects. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, confusion brings clarity. You know, they both exist in like a sacred pair, you know? It's like they have a sacred bond. And there's a lot of, you know, healing to be done here, you know, from confusion and moving into clarity. So, um, and dreams can provide that in a way that... um some things simply can't in our waking life. You know, everything is an opportunity and a portal for healing. Um, dreams are a very multidimensional, you know, quantum mysterious way to do so. Um, but there's so much healing in our relationships and our waking life. Um, it's just that there's so much freedom and mystery 
in dreams in general. And dreams don't follow any rules. You know, that's also um, the inner child a little bit as well. You know, because when we were children, yes, we had rules like, you know, um, what is it, imposed or um, enforced is the better word by our parents. Um, But inside, we were so free. You know, we were so spirited. And that's the nature of dreams as well. You know, dreams don't follow any third-dimensional rules. Like I said, you could be flying on a dragon and the sky is purple, um, upside down. You know, uh, what did I say earlier? Like eating a slice of pizza. It might have been a unicorn. There are no rules, you know? Um, And so the less rules there are in dreams, there are more, you know, dimensions and gates and portals, you know, open for different forms of wisdom, you know, through you know, all of those unconventional elements and symbols. So that's why I love, you know, looking at dreams in general, you know, just because they have so much to offer since they follow less rules and less restrictions that we are constantly experiencing in this third dimensional world. So with that, that's the end of this dream in general. Um, Tons in there about how we interact with one another you know, reminding us that we all have inner children, you know, we have unconditional love within us, you know, checking ourselves, you know, to make sure that we're not constantly acting from our wounds and from our shadows and you, and also recognizing that within other people and giving those people the grace, the space and the forgiveness that they need. Because let me tell you something, that last thing is not to be underestimated. You know, there were so many times where I was just like, I really wish someone would just give me a break. You know, you know, when you just kind of have that like sudden moment of clarity and you realize you're acting kind of like a crazy person and you're just like, I just need a break. People feel that all the time. And, you know, so I like when I say grace, space, forgiveness, the light side of the venom, you do that for yourself. The more you do that for yourself and recognize the multidimensional radiance of who you are, Opal, Rainbow Family, the more you can do that for other people, you know, so while somebody else you know, might be doing blah, 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 and being like super rude and disrespectful. It's likely that their inner child is just like, or their inner wounded child is just like, I need a break from somebody, you know? Um, And you can be that person to give them that instead of just amplifying, you know, the hurt and the pain in the world, you know? Um, So that's why the venom always brings such a, it brings this powerful message that I feel like is much needed, especially, you know, in today's environment, um, that grace, space, and forgiveness, it really, really, really does go a long way, you know? And that is why the prayer and agape is truly important because people can tell you, you know, um, that God exists, people can, and this is agape, you know, people can tell you that God, unconditional love, um, whatever, creation, spirit, you know, the universe, the cosmos, they can tell you that all of that exists. Like for me, People would like talk about and I didn't get it. And that's where the prayer comes in because there is no devotion to unconditional love and grounding in unconditional love within agape and seeing the unconditional love within yourself, the universe and everybody else without developing that relationship and really knowing it in your heart for yourself. And that is the power of the prayer. The prayer is knowing God for yourself so that you can see God and everybody with agape and Because of that, you know who they truly are. Give them the grace, space, and forgiveness that they might need. Or what do you mean might need? That everybody needs, you know, at some, you know, space and time, you know? And to remember that we all, you know, again, even though we might be embodying different archetypes, we are all connected actually through those archetypes. Um, We are all connected through the venom, the orphan, the inner child, the fault line, the stone, the forest, agape, the judge, the pilgrim, the healer, the prayer, and the medallion. We are all connected through all of those archetypes all the time. We are all connected through God. We are all connected through the cosmos and we need to start treating each other as such, you know, treating each other, you know, understanding that one day someone might be playing the role of the venom or the forest and there's something to be learned from them. But at the end of the day, they are unconditional love just like us. So I'm going to close the episode the same way that I opened it. Um, I like to say thank you to my spirit family, you know, for guiding, you know, this exploration. I think it's always important to say thank you. Um, And also just like take a moment of silence and then we will be on our way out. All 
All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing space. Um, like I said, I believe um, this, the previous dream and this dream were centered around, you know, just release and making room for growth in general. And the next dream is also going to follow in that way. So the previous dream, you know, I talked a little bit about like reevaluating relationships and releasing so that you can make room, you know, for growth in that respect. And so this dream, um, that was about more like specific, like third dimensional relationships. This one is now more, oh, maybe it's more about the relationships in general. I didn't think about that actually um, until just now. Um, anywho, yeah, the first dream in the series was about, you know, reevaluating, you know, your collective relationships, you know, in a very third dimensional way. This one is more about like kind of how you interact with those within the relationships that are in your life. And then I'm wondering what the third one will bring. But anyway, thank you so much. I really enjoyed recording this podcast episode and I will see you soon.